I'm Dean Jackson. He's Joe Polish. And this is the I Love Marketing Podcast. In this episode, you'll discover how to supercharge your business and health with Genius X and Genius Network member, Harry Massey. Harry is the co-founder of NES Health and co-creator of the world's first practical system for reading your body field and then offering solutions to optimize it, giving you the ability to have more energy, vitality, and optimal health. If you would like access to the full feature presentation, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 300. That's ilovemarketing.com forward slash three zero zero. Hello, this is Joe Polish, and I'm here with uh, my friend, uh, Harry Massey. How are you? I'm great, Joe. How are you? I'm doing awesome. So we're here. The doors are open. There's uh, birds chirping. We're at the Sanctuary Resort in a really cool room here. And we both just got done uh, with our buddy Michael Fishman's Consumer Health Summit, and there was a bunch of you know, health experts and doctors, New York Times bestselling authors, and you certainly are in the category of a uh, a person that is very big in the in the health field. So, uh, why don't you give your version of who the heck is Harry Massey? What's your company? What do you do? And let's talk about some uh, good business uh, solutions and methodologies, and you know, create some really inspiring stuff for all the listeners today. Perfect. Um, well, basically, my yeah, my name's Harry Massey, and I started a company called Ness Health 14 years ago. Uh, Ness Health, N-E-S. N-E-S Health, basically because I had chronic fatigue syndrome and was completely bedridden for, for about eight years. And out of that, I was trying to, I was always trying to go and visit doctors, but I would basically have to persuade my parents to drive me to different practitioners. But that was always like quite an effort to try and persuade them to do that. So I had this bit of a crazy idea at the time, which was to create a home wellness system. And what I mean by that is basically something that you could just put put your hand on. It would tell you exactly what was going on with your body and then would give you the information and educate you on how to get better. But I didn't have a clue how to do that at the time. And I basically got introduced to, to some scientists and put, well, basically put together a num- number of ideas and, and technology and ended up creating this system, which looking back seems completely impossible because I, I didn't have any money and I didn't have any, well, I didn't have any energy either. And, uh, long, long story short, we, we ended up being able to make this system, which ended up pioneering a new field that we call bioenergetic medicine, which is basically looking at the, stu- um, the study of energy in living systems, where we're able to both detect and correct the energy in living systems. Um, yeah, and then here, here we are today, 14 years later, with a few thousand practitioners who treat hundreds of thousands of clients per year and uh, help lots of people get their health back. Wow, that's fascinating. So a couple of things I want to touch on with what you talked about there. For one, you were completely, uh, your body was physically I don't know, shot is the right word, but you were pretty incapacitated physically. You were bedridden uh, for a period of time. Yeah. When, when, when I was 21, I was just graduated from university and I actually I went off mountaineering and caught, 
caught caught some virus at the time, and base, basically from that ended up well, re- really ill with loads of glandular problems. And I was also a bit of a hedonistic type party animal at times. So I, I took too many drugs and all that type of stuff, and that that mixed in with this with this viral thing. And also, I actually also came out uh, as being gay to my parents, and sort of like a whole emo- emotional drug viral type type mix, uh, which was enough to, to to trigger off this illness, which basically lasted for years. But because I was so I was very very strong minded. And because I had such strong willpower, I thought I could just cure it through like doing more exercise. So I went out to the uh, went out to the uh, French Alps, which because I come from Europe, and just thought I could climb and mountain near my way out of sickness. Right. But, but I, yeah, unfortunately, that that did the absolute opposite, and I ended up in this position where I ended up actually just totally stuck in a tent uh, for about a week because I didn't have the energy to get out of the tent. All I had was some water and dried bananas and just ate dried bananas and water. And for I, an entire week? For an entire week. I mean, probably slightly exaggerating. I, did, I think I went out and had a pee and stuff like that, but I would just go out and just get, you know, get back in the tent because I was so exhausted. Uh, then after about a week, I managed to drive myself back to England literally just pulling the car over about every 45 minutes for a rest and then I'd get back on the motorway and I can't remember, it took me about two, three days to get to get back to England and that, that was really the beginning of a multi-year, multi-year process of being bedridden. Now, did you, I mean, like, I'll digress here a little bit because it's just a sort of, I mean, I've heard some of your story but you're filling in a lot of details that I've never known before. So when you're driving, like, for two or three days, I mean, are you asking for help, or are you just trying to, uh, like... No, I was very, I, you know, I was, 20, I was 21, and I was quite quite headstrong, and, yeah, I, know I just wasn't that type of person to ask, you know, to ask for help. I was going to, you know, get, get, get back. I mean, yeah, probably I should have rang up my parents and said, you know, can you fly out and drive the car back, but... Um, yeah, yeah, that wasn't in my brain state for sure. Wow, interesting. Yeah, the way people do it. Well, you know, with all the work I'm doing on addiction, you know, I, I hear stuff like this and I'm thinking, okay, there was some sort of trauma with this, this individual, repressed emotions, uh, which, you know, coupled with doing drugs, partying, escapism, you know, being gay, hiding that, having some shame or whatever is associated with it, coming out, you know, trying to... So, you you know, the, the, as you know, there's so much of an emotional element to people's, um, you know, behavior to people's, uh, you know, physical state, mental state, spiritual state, sickness, illness, you know, I mean, there's, there's so much of that, uh, body pain, whatever. Uh, okay. So you are a byproduct of a person that had a lot of fucked up stuff happening in your life, either self-induced or as a response to things that, that happened to you, uh, and you figured out how to fix it and you managed to figure out how to turn this into a business that now, you know, helps other people. So of course, for people listening, I think so many business owners that I know, especially the ones that are successful, uh, they, you know, a lot of wounded healers. There's a lot of, uh, people that had to solve a giant problem for themselves in some yeah, cases. Unless, unless you've been to the very bottom, like you, know, you, don't, you don't have the motivational drive to, to work out the solution. And obviously I was, well, I mean, I was, you know, I was so well, I was completely stuck at home, back, you know, back up, back under my parents, which obviously I'd managed, well, because I went to public, public school, which probably means a different thing in America, but that basically means boarding school. I went to boarding school from the age of seven, so I was basically away from my parents from the age of seven, and then, 
yeah, to, to end up back you know, under your parents' roof for like, those those seven or eight years. Obviously, you know, I, I had a massive drive to you know to get to to get back out and to to cure well, basically to cure myself. And the only way I could work out how to do that is I just thought like if if you could make a system and help other people, then hopefully that that would help me in the process and. and that's basically exactly what happened. That's the same thing I'm doing with, uh, you know, artists for addicts and genius recovery and all the stuff as it relates to the, the stuff I'm doing in the field of addiction recovery. I mean, it's best way to, I think, help yourself is to help others uh, as long as it's not a front. Because what happens a lot of times is, you know, we, we, we have discussions during the last couple of days. There's a lot of people dispensing health advice that aren't very healthy. There's a lot of people that dispense a lot of advice that they themselves don't follow. So when you are a convert of a system that actually works and you not only can offer that. Uh, yeah, it sort of has to happen in parallel. I mean, I think sometimes it, you know, one, one can actually come, come ahead of the other. Absolutely. You know, I, I had the idea of creating a home wellness system, but I was still, I was still really sick and I ended up, ended up being healed <laughs> along the way. I ended up, um, so I met this scientist who, and start, well, started giving me the information that we needed to to get myself better, and then see we turn turn that into a system. And it was you know, over it was over about like a two year a two year period that we that we ended up completing that system. But you know, I, I was still getting myself better. So yeah, I, I don't I don't think that's necessarily that that bad if people are preaching good stuff as long as they're as long as they're on that journey of going towards that journey. But but sure, yeah, if they're doing everything wrong and preaching something else, that's probably not too good. Oh, well, no, like, oh, to, to cover that, let, I mean, let's talk about that too, because uh, along the way, as you're, I mean, there are, you know, to use a sports analogy, you're going to play hurt a lot of the times. You know, you're not going to be perfect, and then you have to be perfect before you can go out and start dispensing yeah. advice. I mean, I'm a huge admirer of 12-step programs, and... I believe that relapse in addiction is just part of a lot of recovery. I mean, there is no perfect thing. That's why they have the saying, you know, progress, not perfection. So by no means am I suggesting that people are not allowed to go out and try to help and create things and stuff if, if they're in a flawed state, because I'm in a perpetual flawed state. I mean, there's a million things that I do better. What I, what I do believe though, is that if you're going to be on the journey and you're going to say, do this, do this, do this, either be very vulnerable and very open about you're still working on it. Don't, don't present yourself as one thing because I actually think that prevents you from being like, cause I can only look at it from my frame of reference, but I believe you're as sick as your secrets. And one of the reasons I go out and talk about some of the things so openly that I talk about is I don't ever want my ego to actually think I have arrived or am I, I am this so special that I am now because, you know, to use my buddy Dean Jackson's, uh, you know, you're being successful when I don't think you've arrived at success. Success is you're doing certain things. And if I started smoking crack tomorrow, any notion that I have of being successful would be, would be evaporated in like two seconds. The moment I, you know, start doing drugs or as an example. So it's, yeah, I, for people listening, uh, I agree. I think wherever you're at, if you feel hurt, if you feel broken, if you feel flawed, but there's a vision, there's a desire, there's something in you that says, you know, cause you saw it before it happened. Every vision, every business, every great thing that's ever been accomplished in the world, every destructive thing, someone envisioned that in advance and then lived out making it happen. 
you know, yeah. on purpose or accidentally, you know, and it's actually a combination of both. So you were with all of these, these struggles though, but that became your, your gift later here in your life, because had, had you not gone through all that pain and all that shit, there's no way in hell you would have built the business you've built, the documentaries and films that you've done, the books that have been created out of, you know, the work that, that you've done. So, and I even asked you before we started recording, because I want to talk about some of this stuff. I said, you know, Harry, what are three things that you're really good at? And you said innovation, which you described as creating new stuff, using unknown science with practical solutions and concepts, kind of like blue sky innovation. The other thing you said is you're really good with people. And the, uh, the, the other thing was, was films. You do films. And within that, there's the business and then there's the, the marketing and, and getting it out to the world. And the people listening to this podcast would be very interested in all of those. I things. know it'd be quite interesting to talk about, um, you know, hundred K there was this great debate between innovation and marketing. Uh-huh. And, um, I, I mean, I was thinking about that afterwards, but I was thinking they're re- in a way, really this, they're the same thing. I mean, I think they are. Yeah. Good. Yeah. That's what I thought. Cause, cause like Mark, marketing, basically completely tuning into all of your customers and and it's the same within with innovation you know if you're if you're inventing something new i mean you're well, you're basically doing it to to be to be something that's absolutely amazing for your customers and that that's really the same thing as good marketing yeah well you know you if you ask a hundred people what marketing is and you could ask just people that have no training, have never read a marketing book in their life, or you ask a hundred people that are considered world-class marketers, uh, it's, you know, people think of marketing sometimes as like an industry, like the marketing industry. And maybe there's an advertising industry because that's more specific, you know, advertising is a part of marketing. Um, but you know, really, I, I don't, I think it's so expansive that to call it an industry is kind of like, you know, the exercise industry. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can call it the fitness industry because, you know, exercise could be, you know, doing intense housework throughout the day or, or someone else's concept of exercise could be, you know, doing yoga or, or hiking a mountain or going to a gym or doing a spin class. I mean, there's a million different things that you could call exercise, just like there are a million different things you can call marketing. So, you know, if you, if you ask someone, what is marketing, you're going to get a hundred different definitions. Now from our world, the entrepreneurial world, the ones that use marketing, whereas a lot of consumers may think marketing is used on them. Although everybody uses marketing, because I think of marketing as the quickest path to the sale. I think of marketing as storytelling. I think of marketing as selling in advance so that by the time you actually have to present something, you've already done a lot of things that would position, you, you, you know, you, I always go back to the Peter Drucker quote though. You know, Peter Drucker said the primary purpose of business is to create and keep customers marketing and innovation produce results. All other business functions are cost. And I've really thought about that definition for hours. You know, it's like, okay, so primary purpose of business is to create and keep customers. You create them by enrolling them, having something so good people can't help talk about it or by average. Maybe a better primary thing is, I mean, it's to to really give value out to the world. Yeah. Well, I mean, of course. So like, you know, I think the only way you're going to keep customers unless you, well, possibly, because if you sell an addictive product like, you know, drugs or alcohol and someone is, you know, relying on it because they're hooked. Snapchat. Yeah. Yeah. Digital opiates. Like it's what, you know, you know, I just registered the URL digitalopiates.com after I heard Tim talk about it yesterday, but uh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of digital opiates out there. 
you know, the, the, the thing is you can hook people and keep people coming back, uh, in, in destructive ways. I mean, you can yeah, sell a product yeah, sure. that isn't very good for people. Uh, however, you know, marketing is just a thing. It, the character of the person is what determines what you do with it. I mean, you, I always say you, you send an asshole to an empowerment seminar, you're going to have an empowered asshole. You send a really, you know, good person, but they may have fears or insecurities or challenges, but they genuinely want to do good in the world. And you put them into a, a place where you're just going to build up more of, or help, you know, release the, the things that prevent them from being who they could become, then all the better. I mean, in a lot of ways, I think, you know, we're going to, how, how do I know who the hell's listening to this podcast? Could be a really good person who just needs to know some business strategy or some life strategy or some fitness strategy. And they hear some concept, they apply it in their own way. And someone could be some evil scheming, you know, narcissistic, you know, psychopathic, crazy person, you know, but I doubt they would be attracted to my podcast because we talk so much about the ethical use of marketing and creating value and doing good stuff in the world. So, you know, the best thing is take who you already are and, and re increase your consciousness with it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I think you create customers uh, by good marketing and you keep them by just doing good stuff, giving them value because I don't continue to do business with people that don't create value for me. I mean, I'm, they may get me once, but in order for me to keep giving my business and my money to an organization, and by the way, if people are listening to this, if you hear background noise, they're just, I mean, we literally have the doors open, so just disregard that for the fact that I don't care enough about putting us in a recording studio right now. It's because I'm a bad person. But anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, so I, I mean, you could really take creating and keeping customers uh, and, and there's huge lessons in that. So he says marketing and innovation produce results. All other business functions are costs. Now, there are sides where I think you look at your business like, you know, we got to make money here because if, if you don't bring any gas to the, you know, to the campfire or whatever, you know, there ain't no flames. So in order to bring yeah, well, businesses have different stages sometimes. I mean, you know, like in the first few years you just I mean you do I mean you do have to do what you have to do to, to bring to, to bring the money in and then yeah, maybe later on you you, you can afford a bit more fle flexibility and I mean and as as an example of that, like when I like when when I was initially getting going, I mean I pre sold like I pre sold this um, device we hadn't we hadn't actually made um, to a whole to a whole lot of practitioners in Australia, and I think it took us three or four months to, to deliver it, and, and it was a few a few thousand dollars a a shot, and um, well to to describe it, it was like this white box. Um, I bought all these buttons from Marks and Spencers, which is a basically a clothes store in England, uh, and then we would glue in these buttons, and you would basically put your hands in, and then you put the hand on the buttons and and then there was this first version of software that was really, really buggy and crashed and didn't work. So then we you know, we delivered it, and obviously we had loads of complaints because it didn't it didn't work properly. But you know, over a few months, that that all that all got resolved. But if we hadn't have done that, we wouldn't have had a you know we wouldn't have had any money because I, I was I think I was twenty seven. 27 with you know basically basically no money to go and hire any staff so we sort of had to do you know we basically had to pre pre-sell it to get some money so i could hire one one secretary make the stuff ourselves and then uh what we now call in which for the 
benefit the recording is basically just think of them as, as remedies or supplements and then we are manufacturing all these ourselves and you know using matrix printers to like label everything and I was like boiling up all the herbs and water and stuff on the stove and bottling it and you know like it was a total I don't know what you want to call it but to- total guerrilla business tactics I guess. Yeah, well, I mean, in anyone that thinks that any company that exists today didn't have that stage is delirious, you know, because that's how almost everything is created. I mean, I always think it's kind of funny that God knows how many years ago this was or centuries or whatever, you know, two guys were sitting around saying, let's create Harvard. You know, I mean, Harvard didn't just like, you know, show up and everything was, you know. Harvard. I yeah. mean, it, it, could you imagine the very first Harvard class, you know, trying to bundle it all together that like trying to figure out how to make anything work. The first one that ever manufactured and bottled beer, but it's, you know, it's sort of an interesting thing. So I mean, you, I mean, so, I mean, like with your business, you never had investors at the beginning and I, you know, I've, I, I never had investors right. either. And, you know, I think you, you can do stuff with money and that would probably like multiply a lot of mistakes or you can, you can just do stuff with your own, you know, with your own brain power and labor and, and avoid all of that. And I, I yeah, I, I wish there was a bit more of that. I like, cause so many startups and founders, like, like they think they have to go and get the, oh. get, get the money to start it up. And then eight out of 10 of them fail because they get all this, you know, money poured in and then the VCs pull out when they fail and then it's game over. But if they never had, I always think like if they never had any money in this, in the first place, it probably more of them would be around, I think, because they, they would have learned lessons in a, you know, in a different way. I think it's worth highlighting that because I think it's a, it's a big point. And if there's anything that I would like to, you know, say that I very much agree with that statement and go in that route is what you just said. Uh, my buddy Dave Kekich, you know, one of his credos says, rely more on wit and talent and less on money. Um, especially when you're starting out, because when you're, when you have to figure out how to produce a result or make a sale to someone, and I think the number one job of the entrepreneur is go out and get a check. And now there's a lot behind that. When I say get it, get it, get a product and work out how to sell the product. I mean, that's the, that's the two things. And, And if you can't do either of those, then why? Yeah. Then you don't, you don't need any, you don't need any money because you can't scale like, you can't scale anything until you've worked those two things out and you don't need money to work those two things out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, so yeah, like go, going out and getting a, uh, getting a check. That's the neighbor, by the way. So I'm going to keep pointing that out to people in the background noise just so it really emphasizes that, you know, you have to listen yeah, for Joe's birds here. Me over your head. Yeah. So, um, the, the, the thing with going and getting a check, when I say that, the caveat, of course, being that's not robbing people. That's not just going out and getting a check. Like when I was a dead broke carpet cleaner, even then I was so conscientious that everyone was happy that they would want to refer me. My whole thing is like, if it, if, if I have someone give me money and I don't create value for those people, uh, and I did my part, you know, granted, like if you own a gym and you have a world class gym and someone signs up for your gym and they don't go work out, but you've provided the place for them. I mean, it's not your fault that they're not exercising. I mean, you have done your job by selling them a membership to come and use your gym. Now, if they choose not to do that, 
I mean, I don't think they can get mad at the gym. Now, if the gym wants to, if someone, if they sign someone up on a monthly membership and the person breaks their leg and can't work out and the gym's like, Oh, you signed a contract and you can't get out of this. I think the gym's an asshole. I mean, they, you know, there, there, there are certain things that you, you can, uh, can do. But the thing is, if, if, so, if I sell something to somebody and I deliver a product or service and it doesn't, deliver for them if i in, in the way if they interact with it in the right way then you know i don't want their money i mean it's uh you know i i, I don't want any i don't yeah, want anyone these days it's pretty easy to, to to figure that out because i mean you can you can put something out there you can get such immediate feedback through through social media or, i mean you, or any or even just phoning up customers i mean you you only really have to tune into what your customers are saying to improve it and, and you're on your way. Exactly. Exactly. So the point is for the young entrepreneurs or for the startups or for the people that have been doing this a long time, but they're thinking, Oh, I, you know, I'm going to have a successor, but I got to go out and raise a lot of money. You got to, you got to realize when you start getting other people's cash, you don't really own your company. Someone else owns your company. And if you, and they want their money back, you know, I mean, even we had a, you know, a guy that gave a talk that was, uh, you know, one of the top VC firms in Silicon Valley and, you know, they, they are giving people money because they want these people to sell their companies because that's how they get their money back is when someone sells, when they have an exit. So if you are really into yeah, it, well, if you want to build a lifestyle business, don't, yeah, don't, don't, don't go and get money. Exactly. Exactly. And so, and again, though, you know, there are people that have become enormously uh, rich that have uh, scaled and built gigantic companies that never could have happened had they not went and got investment money. But I believe the failure rate for the ones that yeah, went that route. Higher. Yeah, and so I agree with you. I mean, I think if you can learn how to make money yourself and be self-sufficient, and then you can really evaluate yeah. and look, should I bring yeah, in that's money? That's why I think like in, in, the early, in the early stages, figure yeah, just try and figure out those two things, like the, the, the product and how, to, and how to sell it. And then sure, late, later on, if it's right, you, you might want to bring in money to scale it. Right, right. So let let's go into some of the things then. Uh, so you know, here you were you you were having you know lots of health challenges. You ended up turning this into a a business. And how would you let's let's describe what your business really does and how it what what's the value that it delivers for people? What since you're into blue sky innovation, you know, um, blue ocean, you know however you want to describe it, I, I would love to uh, have you describe what that even means for people that, you know, either don't quite know the uh, or understand sure. the, the concept of, of doing something brand new that no one's ever done before. But you, you had mentioned that you fuse, uh, you know, uh, unknown or kind of wild science with practical solutions and concepts. So that's your... Yeah, sure. Um, but uh, yeah, I'll, I'll give it some, some context within the, I guess, within the medical world. Like if you look over the last 100 and 120 odd years, um, we we originally had these sort of ideas of, I think it's like the ether and, and homeopathy. Then um, we basically got a, a very strong ke- chemical lobby uh, came in, which ended up turning into the pharmaceutical industry where everything in medicine for the last, yeah, for that last hundred plus years has been, it's been all about biochemistry, which has turned into drugs. And then that's even applied across to the, like the integrative and functional med- medicine world in, the, um, for, in terms of supplements and things like that. 
whereas no one has ever really looked at the, looked at the physics of biology. In, in, in other words, you know, in, like if you go to your classical university, you have the physics department, the chemistry department, and, and the biology department. Yet, for some unknown reason, those three departments never, never ever talk. You know, the, the chemist is Karen doing chemist, the biologists just look under their microscope, and the physicists do all this far, far out physics stuff. Yeah, so it was actually the, you know, the, the real truth. If you're looking at the human body, is it's, ba- it's, it's basically well, it's basically a completely, it's an intersection of all three of both the physics, biochemistry. Um, and the biology. What what we've done as a company is basically try, try and look at the physics of biology and say, well, you know, are there a whole load of things that there are that are unexplained that biochemistry can't do very well, which might be better explained in physics. And and in, by doing that, we uh, we basically ended up coming up with this concept that that we call the human body field, which isn't necessarily completely originated by us because it's existed for, for thousands of years in, in Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicine. However, it hasn't been particularly scientifically looked at. And then, and then even in medicine, you know, we have something like, like an MRI machine, which stands for magnetic resonance imaging, which, which is actually using physics principles. Uh, and you have like e- EKGs that go on your heart or ECGs that go on your brain. All of these are picking up fields Yet, yet medicine just just looks at them in a very in a very isolated way. They're not they're not saying, well, actually, yeah, if the body is producing this overall field, perhaps it can give us more information about what's going on. But also the exact polar opposite of, well, maybe actually if you maybe actually if we interact with those fields, it might have an effect on the biochemistry on your physiology in turn. So basically, yeah, we we looked at that concept. Um, and worked out a way where we could both detect and correct the overall energy field of your body. And yeah, that's that, that's blue sky thinking because you've got a very conventional um, paradigm as biochemistry and yeah, trying to get the biochemists and well, e- even 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 in functional medicine, supplement companies, drug companies, and you know, try try trying to get people who are so locked into biochemistry to think about physics is. Um, it could be a bit tricky for sure. Okay, so let me, let me let me how many people actually think what you're doing is bullshit? Um how many people in the world? Like, well no, I mean I guess you're not gonna say that, but what I mean say, is like people um, that are in these other industries is more to be more specific. Um I, I, well I've been doing it for like four for fourteen years and so when when we first started it was it was actually incredibly hard. Like we you know we'd invite a load of people and we'd have like all these doctors like just ask us a you know a gazillion questions and be and be really skeptical. So it was a really unknown idea, and then I'd say yeah, about five or six years in, I was just like shit. You know how how on earth do we get across this concept of the body field, um, which is why why we got into filmmaking. So we thought like it, well if we can explain these ideas through 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 a film, we basically we basically went and interviewed some of the top biophysicists um, and some of the some of the scientists along with. Five, five people had completely incurable diseases, so there's one with cerebral palsy, fibromyalgia, some with some brain tumours, uh, some with kidney cancer. Um, and then we basically, basically filmed them being being healed using these methodologies, and then interviewed these scientists to, to help explain the sort of, like, the, if you like, this new science of healing, of, of how that can be possible. Uh, that film came out eight, eight or nine years ago now. What film was that? Uh, sorry, that was called The Living Matrix, uh, which you yeah, which is on iTunes or the Living Matrix Movie dot com. 
and yeah, that, that ended up being the best-selling health documentary for about, I think it's about two or three years, and it's still still going pretty well now. Um, and I don't I don't know if it's necessarily since then, but that's that's definitely had a had a had a pretty good influence. And now now in the last two years, yeah, I mean, if, if you talk to people in the supplement world or integration and functional medicine community, well, we were just here the last yeah. the last two days, and you know these these are all like yeah, these are all doctors, gen. Doctors and experts, generally experts in nutrition, diet, supplements. They're not. They're not experts in in our field. Yeah, I mean, you probably saw like that was like everyone's wanting scans and was like super interested. And I, that's completely different to ten years ago. So yeah, I'd say yeah, it definitely started off as quite skeptical, and now 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 I'd say yeah, I mean now society's definitely definitely pretty different. Right, and getting uh, much more informed and misinformed at the same time i mean yeah. i think i think there's a lot of that i mean i think with the uh with the access we have to knowledge through certainly you know the internet and technology and just the sheer amount of of things that are being discovered and being learned there's incredible amounts of information and there's incredible amounts of misinformation uh now we had a lot of the world's leading doctors. I mean, even, you know, the, the, the guy who invented functional medicine is credited with it was, you know, speaking here. And um, uh, a lot of my buddies. That I are, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you noticed, I, I wanted to talk to him about that, but, you know, he, 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 he was talking about, he was talking about physics and ideas like the whole, like the holograms and he was like men, mentioning like Max Planck. And yes, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I could tell like his, his brain goes into all the physics stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, of course, I was bringing up addiction, which is a whole other yeah. realm, which I think is part of all of this, but it, it's not quite getting integrated. So my question to you is, so there's a, there was like many quotes of food as medicine, as an example. Uh, how do you think about a term like that, food as medicine? Because what would you call medicine? Um well, me, I mean, me, medicine is, mul is multiple things. Right. Like, you know, food, food, food is an aspect of it, but I don't know, like, like maybe, yeah. I mean, for, I mean, from, from my point, from my point of view, or from a from a physics point of view, every, everything in everything in reality is really energy, or is, or is an energy exchange. And you know what? And that might sound a little a little bit peculiar, but I can go back. Or if I go back to Einstein, you know, the most basic part of reality is E equals m c squared, which basically stands for energy equals mass times the speed of light. So I mean, what Einstein is saying in that is basically matter is equivalent to energy. So, so fun fundamentally, absolutely everything is energy. And then if you look at your, you know, your body and how it's interacting with the with the environment, you know, everything you're doing. If you're breath breathing oxygen in or out, that's an exchange of energy. If you're eating, you're taking energy from the food and it's you know, going into your body and shitting and pissing out. That's not so polite. <laughs> and um, you know, and we're getting energy from 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 light from light during the day, and then at night we're being recharged with Earth's magnetic fields. Um, you know, you're, you're, when you're exercising, you're exchanging energy. So all of these things, and yeah, you know, in like the bioenergetic sort of point of view, are all exchanges of energy. And diet, food as medicine is 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 one component, but it's absolutely not. The only one, and you know, to, to the addiction side, the mind, you know, the, the mind stuff of that, you know, of how you're interacting with all of these, with with everyone around you, and what they're thinking, what you're thinking, is a huge exchange of energy as well. So, you know, all of these different components of energy 
affect affect you. And unfor- you know, I, I I think it's slightly unfortunate that I say think things are changing, is we're so so focused on just food, and it is it is an important component. I mean, I eat super healthily myself, but it's only. I don't know, I'd say it's only a fifth or sixth of the equation and, you know, there are all these other elements. Like if you eat the perfect diet, and we were actually just talking about a, about a friend who's in, a, in an apartment block um, and he moved, like they moved, his diet was always the same. He moved to Los Angeles for, for, for three years um, and now he's got, you know, really sick and he's in one of these huge apartment buildings and like surrounded by Wi-Fi, et cetera. And, can't guarantee it, but I'd be fairly sure if he moved out, you know, outside of that environment to, to, to somewhere really nurturing, perhaps, you know, around trees and water, you know, wherever it is, probably, probably re, re-flourish. Right. Um, but there was no change in the diet. So, yeah, it's, yeah, food is essential, but it is, it's just not the only component. Interesting. Yeah. So, uh, because I, you know, you know me, I mean, this is, I can always geek out on all of this stuff, but I, I'm going to do my best to keep uh, a lot of this in the, in, in the business realm too, of how you actually, you have your business that does what it does. And then there's how you built it, how you've grown it, how you market it, how you communicate, how you interact with, with people. And I, so I, I want to get into some of that. But what I, what I w- will say to the listeners is that at the end of this, I'll just ask you some recommendations on for people that want to dwell into this, tell them what to, what to watch, what to read. So let's talk about films. I mean, you use films as a, uh, as a, as a, as a uh, communication and educational tool, as a marketing tool. Uh, how do you think about films? Uh, how do you do them? Uh, who should do them? Who should not do them? That sort of stuff. Uh, I'm even in one of your latest films, which is called supercharged. And you actually have me doing yoga and uh, not have me. I mean, these are things that I do and you just happen to film me meditating and doing, I think we capture me doing float pods and, and some, a lot of crazy stuff. Did we get me doing chiro? Uh, yeah, you were in chirotherapy, you yeah. did the float forward, yeah. Yeah, I mean, because I do a lot of stuff. I can't remember all the different things we capture right at this moment. Um, you well, think I, mean, I would... I mean, I mean, for me, like, films are just this great... They're a great vehicle for two for two things. One, you know, one one for telling a story, and then the, the other for explain. you know, just trying to explain an idea. So, obviously, well, that original film, The Living Matrix... Was trying to explain this idea that the body has a body body field um in in supercharged it's like just exactly as what we just explained it's like people are totally obsessed with food they don't realize about these other sources of energy so i was like well you know how do we get that idea across well if we make a film a film about that then you know, people will have a, a broader perspective on how do we go about it what you know what one through stories so you know we're, we're demonstrating how how joe you know, does, does that in his life um and then two you know two we weave it with experts who actually actually explain all the all the geeky stuff and you know hopefully weave those together in a good enough way that you know pe- people have a really enjoyable experience and, and spread it um i mean that's i guess that's the why like how how you go about it i mean i've made three films i've had some I've had some interesting experiences, so maybe, yeah, maybe I'll describe all three really yeah, yeah, briefly the way the way to go about it. Um, the, the first one, the first one is probably the most well, actually, the last the last one that we haven't seen how successful it'll be yet, so it will be hugely successful. But the the but the yeah the the first one, the first one we basically teamed up with this. Uh, I teamed up with someone called Greg Bre- uh, Greg Becker. 
Um, he basically had he had his own production company, so he, like he was a fantastic editor and camera guy, and yeah, you know, just a, a great a great partner to be with. Um, and yeah, we just we just did that 50-50. We didn't have to put so so much money in. I think it costs. I think we put in about fifty. Yeah, it was fifty grand each, um, and then that was it. And it and it luckily it, it worked. It worked out of the gate. We actually didn't do much marketing because it was, it was a good film. It just spread. So like luck, lucky us. Um, the second one was a bit of a, a bit of a moonshot, and that that was the film where we filmed like Richard Branson, Jean Paul Dujure, like Dalmon, Jack Canfield, Greg Braden, Barbara Marshall, the whole whole bunch of sort of you know massive names um and it was actually and it was a high it was actually a higher quality production but greg, greg unfortunately got got divorced that that year so we we couldn't make it together so because he, he wasn't in the place to to make it so like i hired you know the like i just hired a production company and all this stuff and i just it just cost me a shit ton of money like a real Ton of money, um, and it was the same period. Like we were moving to America, our business partner died. I had some Dutch people running our company, and sort of a whole a whole collection of things that sort of yeah, the the the, the money went out out the window. Should we should we say? And that that was the wrong way to do it. Um, and then this time, you know, having and then well, actually, the end result of that is we ended up taking over the production and sorting it all out, and sort of you know going back to basics and doing it ourselves. Anyway, so I basically wasted a ton of money on production companies and took it over anyway. So the, I mean, the last, the last one, obviously, we didn't do that. We just, you know, we, we, we did it all. Well, all you really need is a really good camera person and a really good editor and be damn sure you know what the hell you're setting out to make. I mean, ultimately, it's holding, you know, you've got to have that concept and that vision down of what, of what you're trying to make. You don't have to have all the details down because that, that sort of all gets worked out in the edit, but yeah, you end up printing out tons of transcripts, and I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's helpful to have to have like someone just go through the transcripts for you to to delete all the all the rubbish and ums and this, you know, everything that isn't very useful. And um, yeah, someone can then just condense that, give you all the good stuff, and you, it's, it doesn't take too long to piece it together. But I mean, it's you know, it is hard work. I won't, I won't deny it. it is hard work. Well, no, I mean, I, I, it's kind of funny because I'm sitting here listening to you explain this. It's it's like when people have gone through it, you know, there's like there's probably someone that's that's listening to this right now. How the hell am I going to piece together a documentary, film it, go to? I mean, there's so many moving parts. But again, hey, isn't that what, isn't well, that what think, entrepreneurs yeah. do? It, it, you it know, is they, what they do. But I, I'd say yeah, the, t- the two essential things would just. Like spend your time find yeah the camera the camera guy would be pretty easy to find they're they everywhere but but definitely you know work work they're work, on street work, corners yeah. waiting for someone well, they're, they're not, they're not, they're not. <laughs> but you can you can work yeah just I mean just just work with them once just to make you know make sure they're recording all the audio really properly and all the image looks really good and all that sort of stuff right. and they can show you a show reel to make you know to to make sure all that adds up um, that. But, it, but there's more camera. There's more good camera people than good editors, uh, and it's really, it's really in in the editing room. And you know that that editor, you have just got to have a really good close relationship because they they've got to translate your vision and your script into something that's you know really really viewable. And um, and obviously for sure, I mean the only way of doing that is to view you know view a ton of well view a whole load of stuff that they've edited. And you know if you 
if you like what they're doing, get on with them and all that sort of stuff, um, then yeah, hopefully that will work out. You know, you know, it's interesting, which is rare, but people that are not only the ones that film, but also edit and do it yeah. effectively. I mean, there are a few people that just have that skill that have built these small, uh, lean uh, personality brands. And they're, they're usually not making documentaries, but they're making like shorter videos, like the YouTube stars and stuff like that. But the, the, the thing is, is with um, when does one do short videos to try to convey or communicate something versus putting into a, a, into a film? I mean, when do you start going down that road because a lot of people are just you know I'm, I'm working on our first documentary right now and this is a whole new thing for me although I've had you know I'm running you know the highest level marketing group in the world by many accounts um, you know it's it's still like a new venture for me to do film and, um, and, and, I, I mean I say well I mean all, I mean I really wouldn't go out and make a film unless you really really want to make a film I mean I think as a as a route to growing your business like quickly it's probably not it's not really the route because it does take it does take a lot of time and energy whereas you know compared to making an amazing little 30 second video that goes viral on facebook like go and do that you know right <laughs> i mean yeah i mean you're, you're way better off make, making the short those short the short things that are going to work on work on facebook that will basically bring it bring it back to your business right right but I mean, for you know, for for us, we're we're trying to we're trying to educate a mass market on broader concepts that aren't well known, and to do that, you need a long you need a longer format. So that that's why we're doing it. But I think if I had a more conventional business where I was not trying to change a paradigm, I wouldn't make films. We'll go through your three films that you've done. If anyone wants to go and watch this, sure. Um, so the first was the Living Matrix, where we we basically look at this new science of of healing. Um, and, and the concept of a body field. Uh, the second one was called Choice Point, Align Your Purpose. Uh, that that was with all these mega stars like um, like Richard Branson, etc. And we we, right. we were basically uh, that's like an overall philosophy of how you can find and align your purpose and how all of those how all those billionaires went up, went through all their own personal crises and choice points that ended up being able to you know, have massive impact in the world. And then the third one is called Supercharged, which is basically looking at these five fundamental different ways that you can increase your energy outside of just diet and food. You know, just since we brought it up and people then can dwell into it, uh, what are the ways that people can increase energy other than diet and food, just to kind of touch on that? Sure. So, I mean, one, well, one, one, one of the massive things in your biology is it's actually, it's actually 99 percent of the molecules in your body are actually hydrogen oxygen or sorry they're just it's just water mm-hmm. and water has this in water has this in, incredible ability to be able to convert energy from the, from the sun and from light and you can see it everywhere around you in the form of plants and photosynthesis but we we don't commonly think oh i actually get energy you know myself from the sun you can totally feel it, you know, if you go on holiday to a hot country or you live here in Arizona anyway. Right. Um, so, you know, you have much higher energy than if you, you know, if you went up to Iceland, you get, get all cold. That's literally because your body is constantly converting the radiant heat energy and energy from the sun, like in, well, basically into energy in your mitochondria. So, yeah, sun is the, sun's probably the, the, the biggest um, movement 
uh, is maybe maybe a fairly obvious one. But like if 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 you're moving around a lot, you're you're exchanging um, you're exchanging oxygen all the time. And this is another incredible fact. Like we think most of our energy again comes from food, but actually most of your most of your energy also well, actually comes from oxygen. And the easiest way to increase the amount of oxygen exchange is through movement. Right. And that doesn't mean you have to go out and knacker yourself all the time because that, that, that actually doesn't work. So do what to yourself? Knacker yourself. You know, like knacker yourself. Like, um, yeah, if you go and do like really intense exercise and not, not recover in, in between, or, okay. you know, that, that, that would tire you out. But I'm, I'm just talking about li- literal movement. So just walking around a lot in the day or doing yoga classes and all that type of thing. So the more, you know, the more, the more you move, you know, the more, well, the more, the more flexible your body is, the more blood gets around, the more oxygen exchange you have. So you just naturally have more energy. And I, and I think that, you know, there is a big difference. Like we can think, oh, I have to exercise really hard. Actually exercising really hard is not the way to increase a lot of energy because it, it'll, it'll tire you out. It's actually just, it's more gentle than that. It's just moving a lot. Okay. No, so, that's good. Yeah, so that's another way. I mean, re- really high quality water simply, simply because most of your body is water and that's how you're able to convert energy from the sun. So if your cells aren't full of high quality water, uh, you won't have a lot of energy. Um, yeah. I mean, there's all, there's all sorts of ways. I mean, there's, there's like using art, like our stuff. Um, it's maybe a harder con- concept. So probably want to look it up later, but the wa- water can also have a memory. So uh, you can use things like infraceuticals to imprint uh, information into the water and drink those to trigger a healing response. But I'd, I'd say look that up later because that, that, that would be a half hour discussion. Okay, yeah, yeah, no, you're right. And, so, <laughs> and I'll have you discussion. give out where people can go uh, look up that. But yeah, yeah, I guess, I guess they, yeah, those are the main ways. Okay, cool. So um, another thing, like being good with people. So since I'm a big relationship guy and I believe that uh, – you know, you've been in Genius Network for a bit. And like, I think of everyone should have a Genius Network, meaning not that they necessarily need to join my group. It's just having... No, a, I think everyone should join your group. Well, I, I mean, every smart person with, uh, you know, ambition should join my group that does good things in the world. That, w- that would eliminate some people. Um, the, uh, thank you, though. Uh, what... What I think of like as a genius network is surround yourself with really smart people that have skills and capabilities that can uh, that you're aligned with that can lead you to where you want to go and position yourself to meet them, which means doing things that many people are not willing to do. And so, well, I think yeah, great example of that. And I think it's, it, I've never had this conversation with you, but you know how you reached Richard Branson. It was made, I mean, a little bit similar, but you know, I've, I've also reached Richard Branson maybe through a slightly similar methodology in a totally different way. Um, but yeah, so like, so like, yeah, so well, I'll give a few examples. So yeah. it was like, yeah. um, yeah, so, so, with, so with Richard, uh, to, to, to get him on, to get on, on camera, his, his nephew, his nephew actually applied to our company for a, for a job. And, um, anyway, so we, so we, so, 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 so we gave him a job and he like worked the company for, I don't know, a year, a year or two. And obviously he, he introduced us to Richard, but it didn't, it, it didn't necessarily come, come to anything. I think it took about three, took about three meetings till, yeah, till, till Richard agreed to be in the film. Uh, but, you know, he kept sort of coming back of like, you know, why all this or that. Um, and I think ultimately, ultimately Richard 
did it because I mean the I mean the film was called Choice Fight Align Your Purpose and it and it was all it was basically all about, you know, help it was all about educating and helping people to, to go out and do good things in the world, which obviously Richard is about. So I think in I think the reason we were able to get all those billionaires um is because is because they they all want to help other people and they all want to see the world be a better place and that film was about helping you know helping people to learn how to do that so you know when 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 there's a match between you know what what they want to do and what and what you're trying to do then you know they're far more likely to say yes versus you know if you just I want to make a film and have these billionaires in it. That's just never, never, never going to happen because you know, like it really does have to be a match to what to what they want to see in the world. So I think yeah. So and it's the same with it with any film or like with the Living Matrix or any of them because you know I mean ultimately yeah, if you want the stars in your film, the film's got to help the stars in some way. Otherwise, why the hell should they give their time time to do it? it well, okay. So let's just take that that as an example. You know, people are, they misconstrue going and asking for what you want with the caveat being as you're asking for something, there's got to be a good reason for someone to do it, especially a busy person, especially an in-demand person, especially someone that uh, is not easily accessible. Uh, and, And in many cases, they have barriers of people and all kinds of things preventing you know access because they're in demand you know when you're a when you're a who and the people want to get to you because of what you do and who you are uh, you better have a value proposition you you, you better yeah, you better have that and it all but also really and it also really helps to be I guess to be, to be persistent and to sort of recognize timing uh-huh. Uh-huh. So, I mean it, it took us about two two years to get all the stars lined up for that and I did have a whole bu- a whole bunch of no's whole bunch of no's but you know it was just really bizarre like I don't, well it was Jean-Paul de Jure and I didn't have any connection with him but I wanted I wanted him in the film and then you know I think I wrote I wrote to him and obviously I didn't get any answer from any anyone or anything uh, but I just waited six months and then you know so- someone I met had some you know vague vague connection and then went like that and that that happened to Work out, or like actually happened with Desmond Tutu as well. Like we wanted him in the film, couldn't get hold of him, couldn't get hold of him. And then what happened is we read in the paper that he was going to give the last, his last ever public appearance in Britain. So we rang up the place where he was giving the public appearance and said, you know, is your event being filmed? As it's a historic moment, and they were like, no. And we're like, well, we'll volunteer to film it and give you the footage. So that's how we got to film him and. But it's just it's just timing. Like you know, we have a bunch of no's. But in in my head, a no just it just means no today. It doesn't mean it doesn't mean no in six months or a year. And it, if you just hold that in your head, it's it's amazing what can happen. And then you just have to wait for that sort of door to to open. I mean, I, I'm not a particularly I mean, because you know me a bit. I'm not a particularly pushy person that was sort of going like you know I'm, I'm not one of these salesy. You know how how people make all these connections happen. It's, it's sort of more, yeah. It's, it's sort of just like wait for that right for that right window. But when it's there, you frigging have to go through it. So no, no, you, you're right. You're right. And part of it is you can do stuff without being the pushy pressure, um, uh, creepy sort of person. Because a lot of people uh, become that. You know, they're they're so like I got to have my thing and. If you can, if you show up with something useful, 
you have to you don't have to rely so much on being loud or being pushy and in many cases that will drive not only if if you don't approach it in the right way it will not only drive people away it becomes uh, the reverse of being magnetic it actually becomes repelling and there's some people that will come at me and they'll they don't have rapport with me and I'm a very friendly chummy silly bantering kind of human being with people that I have rapport with but if someone's like hey Joe like they're you know like people will post things on Facebook that I don't even know hey buddy how you like well what the fuck is that I mean I, I don't even know who you are and you know I mean I, I'm not gonna like respond back like you're a jerk I'm just saying in my mind I'm thinking like you know well if you want, well, if, listen, you want if you want to build a relationship with people, I mean you, well, you have to go where the people are like right to CHS or genius or what you know wherever it is like oh, but people all the time they're like you know what do I need to do in order to meet Richard Branson it's like well you know freaking go on one of the trips you know go yeah, go, exactly, go pay to yeah. do it that's how that's how you know I mean I I explain on episode 29 like if someone just types into the internet joe polish magic rapport formula or even if i think they just type in magic rapport formula i think articles and interviews and podcasts all about how i go about meeting people and connecting with people it comes up it was a definite mental shift for me it's like i you know i built our company in, in britain and all these masterminds don't they just don't exist there so i, I never did any of it Till I, till I moved to the States and even then I didn't do it for the first two, two or three years and I can't for, for whatever I don't, I don't know for whatever reason I got an email from 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 you or from Genius back two and a half years ago and I don't think I'm on your list to be honest so I don't or, I don't even well, know how the hell I, well no well no I must have no well I think no I think someone had tried to contact you five years ago for choice points so I wanted Peter Diamandis so that I think that oh, okay. that's, that's how um, but you know, and then I got this email. I, I, it was about it was about the the recording of the annual event. So I just bought that package. But and then I was like, well, why the hell don't I just join? And then you know, well, obviously I'm so I'm so glad I did, and that's opened up my eyes because because now you know now like I think previously I went you know it might take me two three years to get hold of a whole bunch of people, and I mean it happened, but it was a very long process. Right. And as I say, just simply by writing a, you know, a relatively small check for a business, you can get to know all these people right where they're at. And yeah, it just, ha- well, it just happens a lot more easily. Yeah, exactly. And I, I mean, I, I am amazed that people want to meet certain people, but then they have resistance to going to where yeah, those people are at. People are like, oh, you know, how do I meet this? You know, how do I meet a, a Jeff Bezos or how do I meet, you know, one of these, it's like, well, first off, you can become a shareholder of the company and you can go to one of the shareholder meetings. Yeah, yeah. You know, there, there's, there's all kinds of things that a person can do. You can find out what foundations or causes or interests. I mean, it's not that hard to meet celebrities. You can literally do a Google search and find out what gyms they work out at and what yoga studios they work out at. But to not be a creepy stalker, though, <laughs> you know, you have you have, creepy you, know, you, you 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 can find people, but like finding them in the right environment is what's important. And if you want to talk about business stuff with people, go to where there's a business thing. If it has to, you know, I mean, so that, well, then, yeah, because they're when everyone's in that environment, they're all because they're all coming there to speak to people who are there, they're, they're all completely open. You know, their, their shackles aren't up. So. Exactly. Exactly. You know, people are like, Oh, I really want to meet Tony Robbins. I'm like, well, he's speaking at my event this year. I mean, you, you may not well, get you it. Just join his platinum club, right? 
<laughs> exactly. Just go to his events. Exactly. Exactly. So, although Tony is probably the most guarded person on the freaking planet, I don't think I, I don't think I know another. Uh, and Tony's great. I mean, he. It, it, what, what I think is funny with Tony with all his bodyguards is like the guy's huge. Yeah, you know, man. I mean, like you wouldn't mess with him. <laughs> I wouldn't want to. Yeah, I mean, I remember last time I had uh, dinner with Tony. We were uh, at it. It was after an event that I was at. And he was at, and he had. He was the last speaker, and uh, we go out to uh, dinner with me and Tony in a place in downtown Phoenix, and it's like the, the place is packed because there was this, this you know big stadium, and he's got his three bodyguards like on each side of the restaurant, and we're at the corner of a bar. We're eating there like the three of us because we wanted to kind of be you know, and and it's it's just comedy because like you know I've hung around uh, you know Desmond Tutu, you know I, yeah. I got to meet Desmond Tutu in two thousand and eight during a, a big conference one of my Genius Network members was putting on, and he was a speaker and, and all this stuff, but I, I've never seen a, a person more protected. That maybe Sandra Day O'Connor, because uh, I interviewed Sandra Day O'Connor, and they had you know Homeland Security and all kinds of people come to my office with the the, the dogs and everything to like because they have to do that sort of stuff. But other than you know political individuals, presidents, ex presidents, and things like that, I mean Tony's probably the most guarded person. That does he does he get threats or? No, no, it's not like threats. What it does though is it actually makes people want to get to him more. Because like when you when your position is untouchable, everyone's like, "What the hell?" I mean, I personally think Tony was using bodyguards, but he didn't, he didn't have people jumping at him. And now all of a sudden, everyone just wants to get get close to Tony. I think it's I think it's it's quite uh it's quite uh, maybe, interesting maybe, maybe and strategic. We should, maybe we should both get bodyguards. No, no, I'm, I I really think we should start walking around with yeah, uh, no, bodyguards. Because- I, I want to get a week just to experience. It. I want to get like I want to get like bodyguards that dress, men and women bodyguards that dress up as like superheroes. The superhero oh, contest. Yeah, no, it, I mean there, that could be interesting too. But uh, it would it would be more like superhero costumes. I, I think that'd be funny. So okay, so what are your recommendations for uh, being good with people? Like, I mean, we've already talked about some things, but for someone that wants to go out and develop this skill, and you're 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 a pretty introverted guy, I would imagine, right? I yeah, mean, you're, 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 you're very soft spoken. I'm always having to put a mic in, you know, because you like, Harry, speak up, you know, but, uh, so you, you, I mean, you don't come across that way. Uh, I can't imagine you, you being like the guy that's going to go out and like work a room. Right. I mean, that's, just not your style. So there's a lot of people out there that are like, well, you know, I just can't talk like that. And, uh, but you know, I mean, here you are, you've developed, well, I mean, well, I guess back to Richard Branson, like he's really shy and introverted as well. When, right. When you meet him, and totally, it doesn't. But it doesn't matter. But he's still extremely charismatic and, and charming. Um, so yeah, I don't, yeah, you don't, I don't. That's the thing. I don't. You don't have to be like really pushy and go out. I mean, all you really have to do is be. Well, you just have to be responsive to to other people, and you know. Well, I mean, it's pretty. It's pretty. It's pretty simple. You just, just well, just be friendly and you know give. Well, you you just give what what you can, you know. If people if people are talking about something, and you can help, then you then you help. I mean, it's, right. it's 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 not it's not rocket science. Yeah, I think you just hit the nail on the head with it. it's just simply it's be just like useful listen, really. and generous yeah. and giving. Yeah, I mean, in the right way, uh, not with a hidden sort of agenda. I mean, everyone has something they would like, but when you try to like fake sincerity or we try to act like. Oh, you know, I'm really caring, but you're really, I mean, you really genuinely should think about how can I create value for this person and just do it in a way. And if you, and if you really do, then 
this whole you know concept called reciprocity is just going to kick in and i think life is a boomerang if you put bad shit out there it's going to come think, back and smack if you put good okay. stuff out there i mean there. i think it's also okay if it take if it takes some time i mean yeah you know you don't you don't have to like you know suddenly build loads of relationships super fast right but yeah if you yeah. yeah, take 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 a bit of time. It'll all it'll all work out for the longer term. Yeah. So okay. So you've had this company now for fourteen years in Britain and Europe. You've been in uh, the states for five years. Uh, you have I don't know close to thirty people that work for you. Uh, what advice would you give yourself? Which would also be what would you be suggesting to people listening to this? Uh, if you were to go back, you know, to year one. And all of the things you've learned, what you've learned to do, what you've learned not to do, because there's just as much. So what what were the key? Um, I think I think like in the early years, because I, I I came out from being being extremely ill, hadn't had any work experience, you know, hadn't really worked for any companies because I missed all of that out in my twenties, and so I I just didn't have a clue about like how you know, hiring people and hiring good people. I didn't know anything about business either, but yeah, if, I think if I went back to then, I'd say like the, the number one job of probably for any, any entrepreneur or CEO is hiring a great, is hiring a great team. And I, yeah, if I'd known that back then, I think I would have saved myself a lot of headaches for sure. How does one know what a great team is? Uh, when you don't know what a great team, that's a good question. I, I would say, so there's a really good book that um, Eric Schmidt has just written. He, you know, he was the CEO of Google. Yeah, I helped um, him on one of his books. I'm trying to remember what the name. I think it's called How Google Works. So there's a great chapter there on yeah on pe- on people and culture and how they recruit. Now it's probably an extreme. It's probably more extreme than, than most of us are, are willing to go. But yeah, that that would be a place. Um, there's yeah there's another book by Zappos on. So, yeah, there's a culture book on the delivery happiness one. Yeah, that's yeah. Pro- that's probably got some good stuff. Um, and how else would you know? I mean, I mean, I also, I also use like a lot of sort of psych- psychometric type type testing. So you know, we we just make sure everyone goes through a whole whole set of tests, and you know, if they don't have, it, it depends what you're trying to hire. But if you're trying to hire data people, accounting people, like they've got to be good with numbers. If you're hiring marketers, and they score low on words when you don't want them you know i like put put people through all these pro profiling tests for sure like i i won't interview anyone unless they part like unless they pass all of that okay um then so a lot of profiles that you, yeah a lot, but what yeah, like myers yeah. briggs or do you do colby or what which ones do you like the most um trying to remember the name of it yeah but no well we do use Col- colby as well i, I use a, one that comes out of holland that won't be particularly applicable so uh, what's the other one we use I think yeah I think we use Indeed on Indeed I think it's Indeed.com and that 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 basically has a whole load of profiling okay okay cool and so uh, what mistakes have did you make that had you known you would have avoided them that you could explain like like what sort of precautions or Um, things could you I say it depends like and I think it's something that's common to to both of us in our in our business history, but giving giving away our personal giving away your personal power sometimes. Uh-huh. Like, so so, which comes down to this right people like um, yeah if you well if you 
you know, so, sometimes things can can happen in your life, or if you get overwhelmed, or you know, people might come up and say, well, you know, I I I, I can do do this for you. I'll I'll take this burden away and do all that, and just be be very very wary, wary of that, because unless it fits that sort of right you know right team, like unless you've really purposefully gone out and found, you know, it's fine if you want to hire someone to be a chief operating officer and you've gone through the selection process and the right person, then then that's fine. But if someone just comes along and says, well, I'll run this for you or do that, that, that you know, that may, that likely may be a bad, a bad mistake because you end up surrendering your power and then six months later, a year, a year later, you, you might, you might realize you've got a lot of trouble yeah i mean you before recording we're sharing our war stories of embezzlement and uh yeah and and, and it kind of sucks that a lot of times you just have to go through that hell in order to even know what that means some people you can tell them oh you know don't delegate the checkbook uh hire the right people but until you know they they have a wrong person that really uh either nearly bankrupts them or does bankrupt them or steals money from them or does something that damages their reputation then it because it's it's just yeah, like just, people aren't just, looking yeah, for just just make sure it comes from your power and your deliberate thought when you bring someone in not because not because someone's come to you when you're when you're in overwhelm and you give and you give away your power i think that's i think that's really the thing if it comes from your power it's fine yeah gotcha yeah it, it, it takes a bit to learn that's great. So, so the the thing when you, if someone's listening to this and they're either, uh, I mean, I'd, I'd almost like to get the broad spectrum sort of perspective on this, and they're either things aren't working, they and, and things cannot be working, meaning they don't have cash flow, their their ideas, no one's buying it, uh, or they don't know how to market it, or they're successful financially in business, but they're burnt out or they're overwhelmed uh, or they just simply don't know what they're doing. I always think of, and I've quoted this a million times. I've even talked about it when I was given a talk here at, at the Consumer Health Summit and the Anthony Greenback quote, which I always, you know, since I'm having to do this from memory, I'm not sure exactly how it, how it goes, but it says to get through an impossible situation, you don't need the, uh, reflexes of a, of a Grand Prix driver, the muscles of a Hercules, the mind of an Einstein, you simply need to know what to do. So in order to get through difficult situations, you need to know what to do. So when someone's out there and they're kind of lost and they don't quite know what to do, or they're having health challenges, like they're just dealing with adversity and they're listening to this because they're hoping that it's going to help them with figuring out what the hell to do, like solving something what do you do? Like, where? How do you approach I, I, I difficulties? There's, there's two. Uh, there's two ways that come come to mind. Um, certainly, initially, you know what, what I used to do, and I still do a lot of. Um, it's just I I read a, just a huge amount. Like, if you, you read a lot of books, listen to a lot of podcasts, and the more and more you learn, like the more you know, the more you'll piece piece that together. And obviously, like you said. I mean, there's a vast amount of problems from helpful business or that, but I mean, it really, really depends. It really depends, you know, what what the problem is. But if, if you know what the problem is, then you can go and get the appropriate books. And if you get books from the, you know, the, you know, the, the most successful or top experts, probably they're probably it's really good advice that that's in them. I mean, don't don't just read any books; it, it might be trash. But if if a lot of people are giving it great reviews on Amazon, it's probably a good source of information. Um, if you're not into reading 
um, which I'd say is probably a mistake. I think I think everyone should be should be into learning. I agree. Um, but let's 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 say you're not. I guess the other the other the other approach would be to just to go. And, well, I guess it comes down to the same thing. Like go go to places where there are really knowledgeable people in that area and you know just simply talk to them and ask them because yeah, they ninety nine percent of the time. Well, pretty much all the time, someone else has been through all of that stuff and they're they're, they're going to have an answer for you. Yeah, I, I guess the other thing we could tell people is that if you don't want to do either of those things, you can just you know be a loser. You, could just, you can just yeah. choose to fail, you know, you can, you know, and, and by the way, I'm, I'm very empathetic and compassionate about stuff and I want to give people a lot of slack, but almost to, like when I sit and look at how much money I've spent, how much time, how many books I've read and that people are like, well, how do I do this? And they won't even read a fucking book. It's, it's almost like, honestly, what do you want me to tell you? Yeah, like, you know, matter. like cross your, cross your fingers and well, hope actually, that. Yeah, that's what I think. You can't actually just ask people for answers like, yeah, if you're not prepared to learn as well like yeah we, you, well you could tell someone an answer but it's such a tiny piece of information and there's this huge vast you know, amount of context around everything which you only get from learning you know? right just, right yeah. and learning is painfully slow in some cases yeah, no, but you you got in in like what what's that cliche it's like i don't uh not every leader is a reader but I know, but yeah. I knew, I know very, uh, I know very few uh, leaders that aren't readers. Uh, yeah. Actually, I was, I think I'd, maybe I'd say something slightly different because I think I, I know for me, like when I got everything going and the times that things have worked out and the times things have gone badly, sometimes it's been like a, just just a question of faith and like if if you have if you have faith in that vision and you hold on to it. Mm-hmm. Generally, the answers, you know, the answers will appear and you'll get there. But it, like, you know, when you get huge amounts of doubt and all the rest of it, and you like, well, especially if you lose your faith, uh, then yeah, then that can take you down down a slippery slope. So yeah, I would say I would say try and try and maintain your faith in what you're doing. Right. Well, yeah, no, and that's a good point. I mean, you know, just the, the sheer connection and belief and alignment with something, you're willing to, you'll bring a, a level of stamina and commitment to it that if you don't have that you just won't and i mean you can have the best strategies you can read the best books you can be with the best people but if you are not thirsty if yeah. you're not if you're not ambitious well, if, if you, like the i mean it's maybe a bit spiritual but like the universe only conspires to to help those who are completely committed and yeah yeah and obviously like fate fate failure like sometimes failure could have been a week or a month before success. Totally, totally. And, you know, uh, Ariel uh, Garten, who is the creator of, uh, you know, uh, Muse, the Muse headband. Uh, and I did an interview with her that we have not put out yet. And, uh, you know, she, uh, you know, she ended up building a pretty successful company uh, so far with, with that product and with her brain research. And we spent a couple hours together. I first met her at, Ted. And she said that it's really hard to kill a good idea. If you have something that's really great, even if you fail, even if you have a lot of things, if it keeps coming back, if people keep talking, she goes, you know, she goes a lot of times people, you know, if you just simply kind of look at how the marketplace is responding or looking to how this thing shows up, 
And that's why, you know, right now in my, you know, because in a lot of ways, I'm in a startup phase. I think everyone kind of is, you know, with my uh, addiction platform, with my recovery platform, with changing the global conversation about how people, you know, view addicts with compassion instead of judgment and, and going around and trying to find the best forms of, of, of treatment for people that struggle with addictions that have efficacy and then sharing those with, with the world. And then there's, you know, Joe Volunteer, which is like our Uber for volunteers to match people that want to volunteer with organizations that need them being run by a guy named Chip, Chip Franks, who's awesome in, in uh, outside of Austin, Texas. It's JoeVolunteer.com and ArtistForAddicts.com. And as we're speaking, we're getting ready to launch GeniusRecovery.com. And what's, what's interesting about those, see, those are passion projects for me. Those are things that aren't even my core business. And a lot of them I'm funding out of pocket in order to start those things. And they take an already busy guy and keep me incredibly busy. And it's really hard to hire someone that has the vision because these are brand new approaches that no one's ever done before. So it's not, I can't, yeah, I think you can't really hire vision. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I'm looking at it going, you know, like some days I'll be like, can I do this? Can I pull this off? I mean, how, how, you know, I can't manufacture more time and like, I don't know anyone that has this vision for recovery and addiction in quite the, the way that I do. And every person that is close to it from an operational standpoint or from a, you know, getting it out there standpoint, you know, I'm aligning myself with this, you know, as best I know how. But the thing is where the barometer for me is, is people keep freaking, they keep contacting me and they're like, how can I get involved? How can I help? And right now with artists for addicts, we're like, buy an art piece. That's the yeah. best way, you know, that's the best way you can help us is invest in one of the art pieces, you know, on, on the website. But it's, it's, it's one of these things where I know these are brilliant ideas and concepts because just too many people like it. So the question is, how do I lay down the tracks? But see, that's a big question for everyone is it's laying down these tracks and just, you know, putting it together because any strategy, any business success is a series of to-dos done in a certain way that produces a certain result. All of this is a recipe. I mean, even with your health methodologies, even with your business, I mean, there are certain things you did that produced a successful result. There's things that you've tried and attempted that didn't. So it's a matter of capturing success recipes, learning these success recipes from other people and applying the ones that you can to your own business and in your own life. So before we get into resources and things to leave the listener with to go deeper with anything, everything or anything that we've talked about or you think they should do, which I'd like you to recommend. Is there anything that I should have asked you that I did not? Um, probably not. No. Or say it in another way. Is there anything else you'd like to share that that I didn't bring up that you just you know want to take the last remaining moments that we have and, um, and tell people? Yeah, well, I think I think I'll probably just start like the game with that with that faith. With that faith thing just 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 yeah just have just have persistence and just just keep just keep going and um yeah i guess also i'd say also i'd say well it's the persistence combined combined with the idea so you know i just i mean it's going to confuse everyone to say this right at the end but however let's do it um if you if you're really persistent at the wrong idea that's probably that's probably not you know that 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 actually you could just be hitting your head again against a brick wall. So, so I, I just want to give some context to, to persistent. 
Um, oh, can I say this too before you do? Uh, one of my favorite lines is the best way to get out of a hole is to quit digging it. So persistence in the wrong direction is not an attribute or a quality. It's just stupid. It's just, I mean, if yeah. things are not working, get the hell out. Stop. You know, no, like the best way to complete a project is to drop and it. And I think, it, and I think you sort of said that you know, if, if you're getting lots of feedback that pe- the people love it, then it's pro- it's probably a good idea. Like you, you, know, you can work out, you can work out fairly easily if things are good because you know, if, if your customers are liking it or saying, "Well, it's really good," but can you do this? Can you do that? Well, that's a great sign. You know where to go, and you can improve it, improve it, and you'll iterate and get there. But if you don't, yeah, if you're getting no traction and everything's just completely screwed up, then then quit thinking of a new idea. Exactly, exactly. Awesome. Okay, so recommended resources. Where should people look and go? Um, so, so a health company where you could basically get, get a scan of your body field is on neshealth.com. And uh, yeah, if you want to watch any of those movies, it was thelivingmatrixmovie.com choicepointmovie.com and supercharged was superchargedmovie.com great all right harry thank you so much always a pleasure talking with you and wherever you've heard this i'm sure you know someone that would probably benefit greatly from hearing our discussion just go ahead and use these wonderful tools of you know informing the world and letting everyone uh, pretend you're in a multi-level company but you're really not and you have to like build a downline by people listening to this interview and actually adopting some sort of uh, you know better life as a result of this, and then share it uh, because in a lot of ways this will I think this will help a lot. So been a pleasure, thank and you very uh, much. thank you everyone, and have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening to this episode of I Love Marketing. If you'd like to learn more about the Genius Network annual event, please visit geniusnetworkevents.com. That's geniusnetworkevents.com. If you would like access to the full feature video presentation, the show notes, and the special resources for this episode, please visit ilovemarketing.com forward slash 300. That's ilovemarketing.com forward slash 300.